From local to global, we bring you the best conversations with your favorite athletes and Olympians. This is the Olympics.com podcast. Welcome to the Olympics.com podcast. I'm Tom, your host. I'm really looking forward to bringing you into this show. It's kind of a checkup from the neck up. We're talking about mental health, the crucial and increasingly common issues elite athletes are finally talking about. Simone Biles, you've heard of her. She raised global awareness of this topic at the Tokyo Olympics, and soon we'll hear from her coach, Cecile Landi. Also joining us, the most decorated short track speed skater in Olympic history, Italy's Ariana Fontana. With a second straight gold medal in the women's 500 meters, what a legend she is. And Australian sports psychologist, Dr. Craig Manning, who has worked with Olympians, NBA teams, and executives at Fortune 500 companies. Let me spit out some shocking numbers for you, at least shocking to me. According to recent studies by UN Data, the World Health Organization, and Mental Health America, for the first time, when people are asked to think about their biggest health concerns, mental health ranks higher than cancer by 36% to 34%. 76% on average say mental health and physical health are equally important, but only 33% say the health services in their country treat them equally. Nearly 20% of adults worldwide experience a mental illness. And in 2022, the International Olympic Committee's Athlete 365 survey showed one in five, 20%, of elite athletes had suffered poor mental health in the past year. So some entities are being proactive. In the last two Olympics, Tokyo 2020 and Beijing 2022, the IOC set up 24-hour mentally fit hotlines staffed by expert counselors, support in many languages, and all free. Obviously, a very important topic. And that's what we're here to explore. But also keep in mind, these mental issues apply to all of us to some extent at some time in our lives. Me too. My dad died of cancer when I was four. By the time I was 15, there was a lot going on in my family. I'd seen and felt a lot. I didn't understand much of it. So I got some therapy and started asking for help. I can empathize with all of this stuff. So let's dial into the elite athletes and Olympians. Gymnastics superstar Simone Biles reframed this whole conversation when she withdrew from the team all-around and two other event finals in Tokyo to focus on her mental health. That shock has opened the doors to more open, honest, and healthy discussions everywhere. The athletes and coaches communities, the media, and the world has had to stop and think as well. Simone's coach, Cecile Landi, was a French gymnast who competed in the Olympic Summer Games Atlanta 1996, so she certainly understands the grind, but coaching with an eye on overall mental health is a work in progress. Um, I think we we try to listen a little bit more to the athletes, you know, uh, because mental health was not real in the 90s for me. It was, you are lazy, you just don't want to do it, or any kind of things like that they would say to us um and you know at first i'm not gonna lie when i started coaching i thought that that was the reality because that's what i was told my whole life so but then you start understanding a little bit more and luckily for us in france we truly do have that degree that teaches 
psychology and all that stuff and um, the children, how, you know, negative comment, like really impactful. So trying and even feedback, like, you know, do not bend your legs. No, you got to sit straight your legs, like something like that. Just as simple as that, that makes a big difference on the coaching style. And then the mental health became more and more um, in the past five years, I would say, uh, with the scandal in the USAG and all those athletes that were abused. That's when we saw that it did affect them way more than we ever thought. And talking with Simone, talking with the girls. So I think I, I just want to let them know that they can tell me anything. Um, I watch the body language a lot. I try to see. Um, and then, you know, I ask, you know, what's going on? Like, are you okay? Do you want to talk? Do we need to talk? And, you know, take a day. It's fine. Go, go take a few days off. Reset your mind. Uh you know, let me know if you want to chat. Let me know if you need any help. I'll guide you, find somebody that can hopefully help you. So I think it's more on a daily basis being mindful and careful on on the girl's body language. It's it's a big one to see. So we see them every day, so we can tell when something is off. And I just, I just want them to be able to tell me. And I think most of them um, are able to. I I don't judge them. I try not to. I'm just, okay, let's, you know, what do you want me to do next? Do we need to talk to your parents? Do you want to talk to your doctor? Do we, do you want to take time off? Do you want to move on from the sport? You know, all that. But it has definitely been a big change. And Simone has opened my eyes on a lot of things as well. You're listening to Olympics.com podcast. Crazy to realize that at Tokyo 2020, only 13% of all coaches were women. Landy thinks that the innate understanding that women coaches bring in all sports to all athletes, including women, would also go a long way in addressing, maybe improving, mental health. Okay, now, to explore this topic in greater detail, we welcome Italian short track speed skater Ariana Fontana. La Freccia Bianda. The blonde arrow. Did I get my Italian more or less okay? It was perfect. <laughs> oh, thank you for saying that. Uh, with her Olympic, 11 Olympic medals, two gold, Ariana has piled up the most Olympic medals in the history of her sport, breaking Apollo Antonono's record. Also with us, Australian sports psychologist Dr. Craig Manning works for the NBA's Milwaukee Bucks as a performance psychologist. Dr. Manning, among many other things, is an author. He wrote The Fearless Mind, teaching you how to beat mediocrity and embrace greatness, overcome your fears, expel anxiety, build confidence, and become a high-performing individual no matter your field. I have uh, read the book, and it's it's great for anybody looking to uh, improve their approach. He's also worked with Olympians, obviously NBA players, and Fortune 500 executives. Thanks so much to both of you for joining us here on the Olympics.com podcast. We certainly appreciate it. Well, thank you for... Yep. Having us, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a pleasure, yeah. you know, to be here and discuss. I'm sure I'll I'll be able to learn a lot in uh, in this podcast. <laughs> I, I hope I'm I'm sure we all will be able to. Um, before we get started, I'd like to get your thoughts on uh, Cecile Landy's message that we just heard, and we'll start with uh, with Ariana. Um. Well, I kind of. Uh, understand like her point of view like where she come from like she was saying like in the 90s it was more like you know you 
you're lazy. Like they would, the coaches back then will tell you like, you're lazy. You need to, you know, I don't want to say bad words, but get it together <laughs> and do the work. Um, you know, because, you know, I've been around for a while, like almost 20 years. So I saw that like, that was part of the way I, I start training, you know, I, that was the mentality that was there and, you know, you had to do the work. Um, and like you said, during, you know, in the, in the whole, my career, I, I learned how to, you know, take time off from, from competing, from skating, um, because I understood how important it was to take a break mentally more than physically, because your, your body can do anything. Uh, really, you can put it under pressure. You can really do like up to like in a really extreme and your body will be able to do it. But mentally, you need to really take a break sometimes. And, you know, that will allow you to come back stronger. Um, and I think that also that it's a critical thing is to understand the difference between the stress that you put on yourself and the stress that other people or other things put on you. Um, because the stress that I put on myself is a good thing because I have my goals, I have my objective, I have my dreams and, uh, I have my, when I have my, why, why I'm doing certain things, I'll know I will be able to, to reach that goal. So I'll do whatever I can in my abilities to, to do it, to reach that goal. But when other people put or other things put pressure on you, like sponsor, coaches, teammates, family, sometimes, um, you know, that's, that's tough. Uh, it's something that, you know, um, I'm sure a lot of athletes deal with in different capacity. Um, and, you know, it's, it's something that sometimes, uh, you know, you, it's hard to recognize at first and just with experience, you will learn how to separate the two things and create like, you know, your own bubble and try to keep those things away. Dr. Manning, uh, there was a lot there, certainly. Um, what, what did you, you have a, a great ear for these things since you do this for a living? Yeah, so many things that jump out uh, from what Ariane, with, Ariane is saying there. And the big one there is for me is it, it's not just physically taking a break, it's the mental breaks that I don't think we always understand how important those are. And I think things have changed. The other thing I love that we're talking about is in the 90s, I, I was trying to play tennis in the 90s, early in the 90s myself. And so I know what that era is like. You, It's like if you're struggling mentally at all, it's like you got to just suck it up and be tougher, right? And we've evolved so much, particularly from a science standpoint, 1994 changed the world. There's some stuff I've been doing a lot in the athletic world, but also the business world. There's such a generational change, the baby boomer generation and the Gen X generation, which is Tom, your and I, our generation. It's such a top down, you do what you're kind of told and, and all your information you taught came from above. And we had this mindset of how we should do things and everything changed though in 1994 with the internet and all of a sudden the information is coming at us from every single direction. And that changed the world with the amount of cognitive load that is put on people, particularly athletes like Ariane that have performed well. And she was talking about the stress, not just that you put on yourself, but from others. We don't understand. Our generation doesn't always understand what they're going through because it is different. 
it's completely different world. And some of these other older coaches, I spend a lot of my time helping baby boomer and Gen X coaches, understanding that it's not the same. You know, we, we go down to, I've got to catch this team bus to get down to Chicago to play. We play the Chicago Bulls tomorrow, which is obviously where Michael Jordan built his legacy. It's not the same. Jordan did not have the amount of load from the information age streaming at him all day, every day. He can go back into a room in the locker room and he can do all sorts of things where he gets away. These guys don't ever really get away from it. And like we're talking about here, it wears you out mentally if you don't know how to have, I like to call it recovery time. Because what we do also in this world is we say we need a break and I need to go and take a holiday. But then we go and take a break and we're on our phones the whole time, which technically mentally you're not on a break. You may be physically doing nothing, but mentally you're on TikTok and you're on all these things that are just creating even more load and more stress. So I just had one of our best athletes last night. Um, I talked to them right after and I was leaving and they, and I said, you know, how are you doing? Just checking in like uh, Landry was talking about. I check in with them all the time and I said, are you good? Are you all right? And this athlete's like, yeah, I got off TikTok, like you said, and I got off social media and I'm just doing better. I'm like, it's just... It sounds so simple, but the load for on, on all of us, but it's worse the more high-performing you are because the world we live in wants to have an opinion about people like Ariane. And that so many of them don't realize that I've got several of our athletes that actually don't do their own media, social media, in season. They have somebody else doing that just so that they can get off that constant overload cognitively that just wears the mind down one more thing and i'll be quiet but for me i just love the idea of recovery time it's not just rest time because i think sometimes when you just take time off you don't you're not deliberately finding time to recover so that you can come back fresh and so for me i need to learn to do that better too because we were raised just always do 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 go 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 and you always need to be doing something but the mind really does need that recovery time to come back stronger, just like Ariane was saying. So I love that. Yeah, uh, so much already. Um, so Ari, uh, have you seen what's been described as an increased concern and emphasis on the mental health of you elite athletes and Olympians just throughout your community? And if so, where where does the help or concern come? Um, well, I think that um, mental health in Italy is starting to like grow but it's not like something that you know it's uh, the major thing you know we still like focus on performances and not really on all these aspects that we also just talked about um i think that um i saw an in increased concern um during the Olympics, the last Olympics there i was happy to see like they i think the Olympics uh create like a line uh phone right they had a 24 hour yeah, yeah they did so they call and then you know talk with somebody which was you know really good to see i really i was really happy to see it um i think that it's great that the olympics do it during the olympics but i think that it's if you need help at the olympics um kind of late right. uh, you know uh so it's it's you know you have to start from somewhere and it's great that the olympics it's given you know the good example to have this kind of help um i hope really hope that 
all the countries, um, the federations, clubs, team will be able to, you know, um, really get to get into this this topic and make, you know, make sure that mental health is a really it's a big issue and make it like a priority um, because right now I still think see like mental health coaches be more focused still on performances, how you need to focus before competition, how to, you know, um, believe in yourself, you know, self-esteem instead of really talking about like what Dr. Manning was saying before, like just texting or talking with a, an athlete and say, are you okay? Uh, are, are you doing good? How can I help? So, um, you know, I, I, I hope that things will change in a better ways. I I'm, I'm trying to do my part. I think that um, one important thing um, from my point of view is something that, you know, I also, I was lucky when I was first got on the team, I had women on the team and on, on, on the group of training that I was training in um, older than me. They had, they had 10 years, they are 10 years older than me. Um, so I had them as a role models, you know, they were, um, they show me how to like, in which direction to go to see all the doors that were in front of me, which one to take, which one not to take. So I think that having, um, I don't know how to say senior athletes around, you know, young athletes that just got on the team on the club or whatever the group of training, I think that it will be a, for sure a good way to start uh, more in a personal way, you know, this topic about talking about mental health and how to make sure that every athletes are, first of all, okay and doing well um, mentally. And then, you know, I, I always said that the physical part is the training is the easy part. So it's more up here that you need to be to be good and be okay. That makes sense. Uh, Dr. Manning, you may have addressed some of this, but in the past five to 10 years, as this whole uh, emphasis and properly so on mental health and healthy messaging has, has sort of come into the forefront, how has it changed kind of what you do on a daily basis? You, you, you probably have addressed some of this over the years as well, but um, has this presented more challenges for you as far as reaching people? Yeah, I, if I can just take a step back for a minute. Sure, just sure. Breaking down, taking, breaking down the mental. So to me, I try to organize it with all the people I work with where you have the clinical side of psychology, which is mental illness. That's that's the clinical side. Then you've got the mental health side, which is really broken down to we evaluate people, whether they're flourishing, which I like to call it high functioning, or right. they're depressed, which is low functioning. And then there's this middle stage there where they call languishing. That's the mental health spectrum. So you have mental illness, mental health, and then mental performance and organizing it that way. And so I'm always super aware of that. So if there's any sort of clinical issues, that, that's not my skill set. But I have people that I know and I'll connect an athlete to. We straight away get them into a clinician if we need to. Mental health, I'm very aware of that and trying to see where they're at. That may be for everyday life, some of the burnout we're talking about. And that's making sure that we're they're just in a healthy place from a well-being standpoint. Then there's the mental performance. So you're always trying to be aware of where they're at. And the mental performance is mental skills. And to, in a sense, that's what I call mental strength. You're strengthening their thought, their conscious mind and the subconscious. And the stronger the mind is, 
the more load they can handle. So that's one of the things I, we work on is the more you strengthen the thought patterns and the more you're in control of your mind and your behavior, and I'd say the more organized it is, you can handle more. And that was one of the things I think Ariana was talking about with just uh, um, the stress loads, the stress you put on yourself. So we do work hard on those mental strength to handle it, but also being aware of the mental health side of things that just so many of the athletes I would say over the last three years, Tom, now coming back to your latest question is just through the pandemic, the sheer load on everyone has just burned people out and it's just worn them down to the point that there's so much mental fatigue and I'm dealing with it everywhere. I think that's what happened with Simone Biles. I think it happens with so many that are in that constant pressure. And it goes back to a comment that Landry talked about. She said, just understanding you Back in the 90s, coaches were always like, don't do this, don't do that, don't, you're not bending your knees. It's that's reactive, which triggers fight or flight. And when you're in fight or flight, you're constantly in a state of high stress, distress, because there's good stress and bad stress. There's distress, which is the bad stress, and there's you stress, which is the good stress. But that that's old school approach just doesn't work anymore because of the load we're under. And we now know that instead of saying the don'ts, we need to say the do's. You know, bend your knees, not, not don't do this, don't do this. And so I'm constantly working with the athletes to be strong to handle an old school coach that doesn't want to change and an old school coach that's constantly yelling and screaming at what their players aren't doing or non-verbally waving their arms and communicating all this negative body language during games. And so I'm constantly strengthening the athletes' minds to deal with those coaches and it would be a lot easier if we could get the coaches on board with this as well, because honestly, the coaches and the parents are, are a big part of the problem here. And if we can educate them on, on the evolution, this is evolution and evolution always wins. And the evolution of the human race is we're progressing in a, in a direction that the mental well-being and awareness of mental health is critical because of the amount of cognitive load that's only growing. It's not getting lighter. It's growing. But I, one more thing I would say is I really love the mental strength side of it because if we don't strengthen the mind, we're not helping them to become independent. My goal is to help these athletes be independent and not dependent on me. I want them to be independent so they don't need to rely on me, maybe a checkup every now and then, but I don't want them to be rely, reliable on me. I want to teach them these mental skills so they can navigate most things in their life to hopefully all of it, but and but always being a resource right always being available to them whenever they need something so yeah yeah that's um that's good stuff uh ari your first olympics remember torino 2006 you were 15 <laughs> you were 15 in what ways was that experience challenging beyond the obvious fact that you were the new kid on the block i, I can't even imagine compared to how you approach those things now what was it like then um the thing is that it's not that I was just a new kid. I was a kid, you know, right. I was years old. So for me, um, you know, yes, I wanted to do good personally, like as performance, but I was just leaving the moment, um, trying to take in the whole experience. Uh, like I, I said it all the time. It's like, I was kind of on vacation, you know, because, uh, you know, it's, it's just like 
you know, you, you are at the Olympic Village, you see all these other athletes, great athletes, you know them, you get to meet them, you get to talk to them. Then you go into the cafeteria, you have all these kind of different kind of food. And it's like, really, like you have like a, this huge buffet, like you, you can eat whatever you want. So um, I think that in Torino, I was, you know, uh, really enjoying and try to take in all that experience, that moment. But I, like I said earlier, I I had great women on the on the team and on the group of training, and I knew how important it was for them to try to win a medal at that Olympics because it might was going to be the last chance that they had to win an Olympics. So that helped me to like stay focused when I was on the ice um, to do my part um, because I knew that they were counting on me. They trusted me to do what I, I came to do and, uh, you know, being there, um, um, you know, that, so for me, it was like that kind of weird when I was at the Olympic village, it was like vacation mode. And then when I was at the, at the venue, at the, at the Palavela where we were racing and training, it was like, okay, this is like, I need to do this, not just for me, but also for, for my teammates, for the girls, the women that, you know, they've been around here for a long time. I want to do this also for them. Uh, they counting on me and, um, you know, I, I got to do my part um, because I think that one thing that it's really important um, it's to trust the the trust. You know, like you need to trust the people that are around you, your teammates, your coaches, and they have to trust you. So I didn't want to let them down. Right. I think it's so interesting, Tom. Can I jump in there? Sure, so sure, sure. I love it. She, straight away, Ariana was talking about living in the present, massive mental skill that I don't, a lot of people don't learn that. So maybe you learned that from your parents, Ari, is somebody taught you that, but you know, here's the things that were good straight away that she was doing at 15. She was staying in the present. She was in vacation mode, meaning she was just enjoying it. <laughs> right. Like she didn't put any pressure on herself. I love that. And she, but yet when she went to the the place where she was competing, she would lock into what she needed to do. Can you hear? Cause this is how we understand how people think. Thoughts are completely dominated by language. Human thought is language. How you talk to yourself is what thoughts are. And so we can read people's minds by the words they use. And so you can see, she said, living in the present, vacation mode, she was just there enjoying it, no pressure on herself. That's what that tells me. But when she went to the arena, to the venue, she would lock into what she needed to do. Those are the very words she used. Can you see how proactive that is? So she was probably raised, good parenting, coaching, whatever it was, a good environment. Taught her, she had a very much a success orientated play to win mentality. She wasn't in a, oh, don't do this, don't do that. There's right. no don'ts. There. I didn't hear the word don't once, how she talks. And she was trying to enjoy the experience. The thing that's so interesting, if we could hold on to that young, innocent mindset as we get older, we'd be so much better off. Right. But as we get older, <laughs> it's kind of like the world and the pressure corrupts us and we become so intense and uptight. I spend so much time trying to help the people I work with to continue to have that mentality of you got to enjoy this. If you're not having fun, this is, you've got to enjoy this. You've got to stay in the moment. You've got to, you've got to relax and take the pressure off. I'm not bought into this whole goals, goals, goals. I think that's a Gen X thing. I think it's what incentivizes us more than goals, you know, and, and just helping them focus 
but not take this so serious so that we can unlock all of the skills they have, all of the their natural strengths and all of the skills they have. And that's one of the hardest things yeah. is to help an athletic unlock it all in the biggest moment, which obviously Ari's done a couple of times. Because the thing that I love about working with the Olympics, like the NBA, right? We, we won an NBA championship two years ago. Yeah. We won game six. So it took us six games to win it. At the Olympics, you maybe get, what, well, Ari, what, 30 seconds? What is it? <laughs> I mean, the, the the fastest race is 42 seconds. Can you see there's not much margin for error? And it's, and it's every, well, you have quali qualification, yeah. but it's once every four years. Yeah. That, you know, I was going to get to that too. It builds and builds and builds. And it's very, I imagine it's impossible to go into, you know, you get to opening ceremonies and it's been building for four years. You know, it's not like you're, the playoffs have moved along and now it's a best of seven. Yeah. You know, you have a little margin. Yeah. The amount of, to perform mentally. I saw research once and maybe it's biased, but this is what I found about Olympic athletes. You have to be the best of the best just to represent your country, right? Then you're competing against the best in the world. So it's the best of the best of the best. But the thing that always blew me away mentally, but you've got to do it in that 30 second or in this case, 42 second window. When we were playing the Phoenix Suns for the NBA championship two years ago, we lost the first two games 2-0 at yep. down in Phoenix. Giannis was still coming back from a knee injury. On the flight home, people are talking and our whole mentality, I use my tennis background because Ariel is a tennis player. And I'm like, we lost two, we went down 2-0 against Brooklyn earlier in the playoffs who were the super team. And after some of the people were, we had big meetings after, I'm like, guys, it's okay. We just lost, we just got to hold serve. They won the home court. That's all. That don't You don't make it a big deal. They held serve. We just need to hold serve. Who cares that we're down 2-0? So there's more margin for error. And so we went down 2-0 against the Suns, and that was the mentality. Everyone on the plane back's like, yeah, we just got to hold serve. We're going home. We just got to hold serve. And so it's always proactive and staying focused on what you need to do and never catastrophizing or cr increasing the pressure. The world already does that. Right. You don't need to add to increase the load yourself. Right. Yeah. And really, you just hit it. Like within your Bucks family, you know, we got to hold serve. Everybody else, Milwaukee media, Milwaukee fans, Phoenix fans, you know, they're all crushing down on you. Hey, don't get swept. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I love, I love your mentality, Ari. It's great. Thanks. Yeah. To your point there, Tom, by the way, I have been recruiting our media staff to like, we're really trying to build this sort of culture. It's kind of our secret how wow. we do this. And I'm like, can you help us with this without interfering with your job? But can you help us build this type of culture? Because the mindset is the individual mindset, right? But culture is the collective mindset. And I find that on team sports. If you don't have good culture, there's right. a quote from, uh, from this famous business guru who says, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I love that because if you don't have good chemistry or good culture on your team, it doesn't matter about the rest if you don't have good culture. So I love that. Right. Like the Patriot kinda, way with Bill Belichick. Jump in yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Because you start talking about culture and, and you know, like I believe in, I think the same way. I think that, you know, um, culture in a team or group environment is, is the reflection of the attitude of yeah. each member of the team so it's not just the athletes it's the coaches and the uh the staff and 
the reflection of this attitude is the ref, uh, is the leadership. So who's leading the team? So it's the coach, the technical director, based on like their leadership, it, you know, it kind of like set the tone for everything. Yeah. And I, when you find like, when you have a good leader, a good coach, a good technical director, uh, or good manager, it depends, you know, what kind of team environment, uh, sport environment you are, that kind of set the tone for everything because then you set a good example and you have a coach, a team leader, a manager that it lifts you up, lift everyone up because they, they allow you to thrive in this environment and not just survive and just think about, okay, I need to train hard, uh, just do my thing, not enjoy the moment, not enjoy the experience, not enjoy and not be happy about what I'm doing. You know, like this whole thing, you know, that I, I really had a hard time find, unfortunately, uh, uh, in the last few years, um, on the Italian team. And that's why I kind of had to, to leave Italy in first place and go to Hungary and train there. Um, because I needed to find environment. an environment mm. where I could thrive. I could be myself. I could maintain my mentality because also I was told if you want to stay here, you need to change your mentality. And I'm like, my mentality helped me to get to where I am. <laughs> when achieve what I, I achieved. So you can tell me I need to change my mentality. Um, so I think that, you know, it's not easy because obviously in every environment, every team, every group of training, it's not always perfect. Um, but as long as, you know, I think that you have that kind of principle, the trust and accountability, um, I think you can build something great and everyone, you know, can can grow and be the better self as athletes and but also as human. Yeah, Ari, can I jump into this? One of the things we did with our culture, because we got not that big of a team, there's like 17, but there's a lot of people in our building. I even want the PTs, the physiotherapists, I even want the security guys to understand this. Because say you've got an athlete that has a sore knee and we're about to play a game. I don't want the security guy that's standing there monitoring the door as an athlete walks by going says, is your knee still hurting? Well, all of that's doing is going to get the athlete to focus on the sore knee. I need yeah. everyone to what Ari's saying is I need everyone in the building from the head, from the coach to the security guys. I need everyone understanding we need to be only talking proactively. We cannot be talking reactively and unintentionally triggering the fight or flight. So we do sessions with everyone in the team to understand how the mind functions because we need if you want to win at the highest level, you got you need everyone on board helping contributing to to what we're trying to achieve here if anyone has their own agenda we need to be doing one-on-ones with them because we're trying to win the championship it's not easy to do and so i love what we're i love that culture side of things people don't always understand how everyone plays a role in that every single person yeah so how would you uh, i'm sorry i just want to ask uh, dr manny how would you work with a, a player an athlete an olympian who is does not have that culture but has to perform mm -hmm. somehow. I mean, would you say leave the country and train someplace else? Or would you say, yeah. 
uh, call them out or I, I mean, you know, the, and this happens not only with in Ariana's case, but a lot of places where they they have a culture and, and you know, they're in a little bit of a bubble, but they they've been successful and they have that that issue. There's three ways the mind, human mind exists. One is the conscious mind, which is cognition. The second is the subconscious, which is behavior. So cognitive behavior. And third is the environment. So ideally, you've been developing a strong conscious, subconscious and environment. That's the best case scenario. But I do believe if your environment is toxic and corrosive, you still can be strong enough to deal with that. So anyone can develop mental toughness to a level you can deal with any environment. The problem is it's so incredibly draining and it wears you out. So the difficulty to overcome it is challenging, but you can do it. But like once you're, if you're wise and experienced and you have the resources like Ari is to be able to get yourself in a better environment, that is way better to do it that way. Because the amount of energy to have to block out the, all of that toxicity, it is draining. Not that you can't do it. I've seen it done many, many times and I've been involved in helping people to do it. But it is way better if the culture. And I would always say this too. If your culture's strong, even some of your weakest links can survive. So at Sochi Olympics, I was over the snowboarding and freeze and the slope style and the halfpipe, US Olympics. And our culture was so good on that team. Our head coach, it was great. He loved all the mental stuff. So we called it the, the shield. And even parents needed to stay out of our shield until the athlete finished competing. And so what we did is our culture was so good. This one event, we won, we swept the podium um, with this event. And the weakest of those was the one that won gold. And the second weakest was the silver. The two like legends that were both Red Bull as well, they were third and fourth. But that's what happens. If you have a great culture, even the weakest can, can really perform to their potential if the culture is good. But if the culture is not good, those that are a little bit weaker, they, they're going to struggle if the culture is not good. So... You have a great culture in business, in life. It's amazing how everyone can thrive when your culture is great. So this goes back to some of the old school approach I was talking about earlier, just the different generation we're raising. We have a different way of thinking about things. And the old school approach is we want everyone else to fit into our system and to follow the rules. And so you have these rules kind of put on you. And it's not about, it's like there's no I in team is a famous saying we have in America which honestly is wrong. I don't buy into it at all. It's, it's not about sacrificing yourself for the team. It's about building the individual to contribute to a team if you're in a team sport. And here's the two paths you can go down because the conscious mind is binary. You can't be positive and negative at the same time. You can't be proactive and reactive. The neurons can only fire one thought at a time. So you're either proactive or reactive. And so what happens there is here's the slippery slope people get in. When you start comparing yourself to others, that leads to insecurities. So you become insecure, male or female, doesn't matter. And when you're insecure, now you need approval from the world, from the environment, which is what opens up the door to abuse. All abuse comes when you need the world approval. And then from there, that leads to inferiority and superiority complexes. And so that's where we feel threatened. And you see this everywhere. Aggressive people are always trying to position themselves above. Arrogant people are always trying to put people beneath them to fit in that order, that hierarchy, which is the old school approach. That's our generation. Right. Our generation is constantly trying to be above. And we think we're trying to climb a mountain. There's no mountain we're climbing, but we think it's a mountain we're trying to get above people for. 
instead of realizing we're trying to move forward. We're not trying to go up. We're trying to move forward. And so the opposite to that is when you don't compare, the opposite of comparing is when you know your strengths. When you individually understand we all have unique strengths and we're all yeah. unique. That's what makes us. This is what I've seen a pattern with what Ari's talking about. Your strengths is what makes you unique. When we don't play to our strengths, we are average. We're all average if we don't play to our strengths. But when you understand you have unique strengths, you stop comparing. There is no comparison. And when you play your strengths, then you build skills on top of them. That's what makes us special. That's what makes us individuals. And, you know, it can be all the same if you want to win. Like there's one gold medal. There's, you know, on the podium, there are two, two step, three steps, you know. Yeah. And if you're all the same, if you do all the same things, if you all think uh, the same way and you don't have somebody, I mean, allow individual to be themselves. Mm -hmm. they won't be able to like grow and, and thrive and be the best themselves as athletes and people. There's something Ari said too. There's several things she said when she was talking about this first. This is a pattern I've seen, Tom, with all high-functioning people, whether in business or athletics. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of things. There's a company in Utah actually that tracks the patterns out there in the business world. The number one word for the last five years has the, is the word trust, which means first, what this means, you've got to first trust yourself. You got to trust your skills. If you want to unlock your skills, you got to trust you and trust your skills. Second, you need to trust the, the skills and the people around you, your coaches and your PTs. If there's no trust, then we, 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 the doubt and the fear occupies. That's the evolution of the human race. The old school approach is not trust. The old school approach is rules. And by the way, guess which is the number one most disliked word among millennials and Gen Zs is the word rules. No one likes the word rules anymore. Right. And so there's the evolution. The old school approach is rules, rules, follow our rules. You need to play by our rules. You need to do what you're told to fit into our system and our rules. And then you got the younger generations like, no, I'm, I'm trust. I need to work with people that I trust and I got to, and trust is, and so we got to evolve here. Here's the biggest thing too. And I know we're getting close. But I wanted to really be a little bit dramatic about this. I've always noticed this with the highest function people I've had the wonderful opportunity to work with is the best are always the most honest. Truth is everything because it's not about really being more positive. It's about being more exact. The best are so truthful and so genuine. And they're, you know, I, I don't want to swear. I'm going to say their BS radar is super high. When I'm working with some of these athletes, like they look at me, I'm looking at sitting in the room and they're like, it feels like they're staring through my eyes into my soul and every word out of my mouth needs to be precise and exact <laughs> because trust is everything. And if I don't, if they don't trust me, I'm out. Like I can lose the trust of the athlete if I'm not disciplined and, and on top of what I do. Th these are the things I've learned. I can't talk about myself and my career and how I did this and did that. They don't care. They're not interested in that. They're interested in truth. They're interested. That's why they like data. They like numbers. They like data. And they want science. They don't want to be told what to do. Yeah. They don't want stories of, oh, back in the day, I did this, I did this. They just, they go on glassy eyes and turning off. They don't care about that. They like data. Here's the data. This is the reality. Reality of what happened. And what are we going to do to get better? Reality and solutions all the time. 
They just want real truth so that they can get better. And any sort of BS, like I cannot, I have people asking me all the time, can you get this person to sign this? Or can you ask them this? Can you ask them this? I'm like, no, I can't ask them for a thing because I got to earn their trust to help them to achieve their goals. And that trust is everything. So the trust only comes from truth. So I loved how Ari said that. She said, truth and trust, probably two of the biggest patterns I always see with elite people in general. So I love that, Ari, how you said that. That's great. But we've got to teach people what this is so that people understand the difference. And this older generation, they've got to get on the board eventually. And if they don't, they're going to become irrelevant. And this next generation is, is going to take over if they don't get on board. And we need more of this. How can we get more of this out there? And I think people like you, this podcast, getting out there and talking about it does a matter. I know what you've achieved, 11 medals is amazing. Two gold is amazing. And as you get to that point in your career, the more you get out there and teach others, the bigger impact for good you're going to have as you do that. So yeah, congrats on all your success and the impact for good in this world you're having is awesome. So congrats. Thank you. Yeah. I really hope that what I'm doing, not you know, just on, on the ice because, you know, I, I've been trying, like, I've never been really good with, with words. Um, I always try to, like, set a good example, you know, by action because I always feel like action. Speaks louder. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Mean more mean more than just words because sometimes somebody can just say something and you know not keeping up with it you know like i yo yo i promise you this and then you know they don't do it so i if i say something i do it and that's how i always been and i really hope that uh you know athletes not just italian athletes but athletes around the world can see me as a as who i am as a role model or something to like see it and even do it better than me, you know, because I always think that, you know, you don't, they don't have to be like me. I always feel like some, you can be better. So. Yeah. Be their own version of themselves. And by the way, I've got research sitting right here that says highly intelligent people value truth over everything else. So that that's who you are. So you, you're doing great. And like you said, there is, yeah, I, I, he just made a good point there, but I think, it, it's sharing that example that embracing people to allow them to be themselves. I think that's a message I'm always like, build the individual. If we spend time building the kids, building people, you can't fail if we build people. And there's science to prove that. Yeah. You build people, you yeah. cannot fail in life. We don't want to put people down. We want to lift and build people, which is what I feel like your whole, your whole message is. So, yeah. Can I get in one more, uh, just one more? I, I'm just curious myself, and you've touched on it, like meditation, ways that you can get away and build a little comfort uh, that's not, uh, that you know, away from your phones, away from life. What part does meditation, sleep, some of these things that are absolutely essential at the highest levels? Yeah. Recovery time is massive. And I think coming back to the individual, figuring out what works best for you to have that recovery time. Personally, I've done research and I'm always an advocate of this. It's so big to go for a walk. Go for a half an hour walk every day because we need the time without your phone, without technology. Go for a walk because your brain needs time to organize its thoughts. It's called sense making. I'm going to say that again, sense making. Your brain needs time to make sense of your life. But when all you're, you're always turned on, you've always got something going on, you're on social media, you're never giving your mind a chance just to make sense of the world. 
Like I like to mow my own lawns, even though I'm on a ride on lawnmower, I'm not pushing it because it is a massive lawn, but I like to mow my own lawns because it gives myself time to make sense of things. And and this, if you go back over history, some of the, not that none of us, are, not that we could compare ourselves to people like this, but some of the greatest thinkers throughout the history, they would go for a walk for an hour, sometimes two hours in the middle of the day. Some of the greatest philosophers, um, Socrates, uh, all of these people are over there that, you know, they would go for walks. It's such a good thing to go for a walk and just organize your thoughts. I've got it. I love to play tennis still, Tom. I'll jump on the tennis court with a ball machine. Like I, my wife bought me a ball machine. I like to wow, go that's... the court by myself so I can hit balls and do what I want to do. So I don't have to basically anytime I hit with somebody else, it turns into a tennis lesson. I don't <laughs> sometimes don't, I don't mind doing that, but I don't, I just need time to do my own thing for a right. minute. To be set. Then I'm good again, you know, half an hour on the ball machine. I'm good. I think we got to find the things that allow us some time to be able to clear the mind and make sense of the world so we can go again. So I love that phrase, sense-making. The mm-hmm. brain really needs time to make sense and organize organize your life for a minute. I'm going to steal that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. Thank you so much, uh, both of you, for joining us here on this Olympics.com podcast. Such a great topic and so much, uh, you know, that we've scratched the surface. But I, I, I hope we made uh, a difference. Thanks so much. It was really nice to meet you, too. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Thank you. See you. This is the Olympics.com podcast. Ah, I love that sense making. It's a great term for, you know, downtime, chilling out, quiet time, making sense of the moment, the situation or one's environment, but with no phones or any other sweet distractions. A whole lot in this almost one hour of discussion. I hope you all got something out of it. And to all listeners and athletes, we have resources to maybe help you out or inform you if you're curious. There's so much more on mental health on our Olympics.com platforms. The IOC Mental Health in Elite Athletes Toolkit is a great place to start. Also, you can go to our Athletes 365 site and also go to the more general spots, mentalhealthfirstaid.org and un.org and link to other mental health resources there many other sites obviously but bottom line if you're not feeling well or you have questions about a loved one or a teammate get help ask for help and of course heaps of content on simone biles and ariana fontana right there for the clicking here on olympics.com go ahead have a look and enjoy that's it for this episode of the olympics.com podcast hit us up at olympics with any feedback you have we love feedback it helps us get better you can also hit me up on my twitter at tk sports tweets be well i hope to see you soon 